Oh, welcome to Basic Snitches. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Sit down, <laughs> have a cup of tea. Or wine. Or wine, but don't put it in a teacup. I mean, I will drink wine out of anything. I will drink out wine out of, well, almost anything. I will drink wine out of a teacup. I will, well, I will. Or it's a just very mug. inefficient. Right? There's, you can't fit that much in there. This is Basic Snitches. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. Today. We're discussing chapter fourteen. Chapter fourteen of Harry from Potter. Aesop's Fables. <laughs> the Deathly Hollows. And it's called The Thief. <laughs> the Thief. Which does sound like a fable. <laughs> it does, it does. Do we want to do a Patreon? Oh yeah. You wanna thank them? Yes. Thank the patrons. Yes, okay. Just wanna take a second to shout out a thank you to our amazing patrons. I'm trying to do this from memory. Adam always puts it in last, but you can join the ranks of these amazing humans for five or ten dollars a month. You can hear more of us talking about Harry Potter and ourselves, and we're very fun. So thank you to Ashley, Mary Beth, Brian, Nisi, Nicole, Olivia, Megan, Brittany, and Jen. I did it. Wait, is there anyone else? There's nine. I think there's nine. If it is not nine, our extra special person who gets called out by me is... Daddy Snape. So, sorry friends. I was trying to do that and then I blanked. But I love you, thank you. Maybe there's no apology needed. And apology? What are, what are we doing on Patreon this week? This week we are talking about some spells. Do you know what these spells mean? I don't know. You should listen to our Patreon. I know what they mean. I'm the spell. Yes. Master. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you can join. Do it. Can you guess winner and loser of last chapter? Well, this, we haven't recorded in three weeks, <laughs> so it's been a little bit longer. I feel like this. these are easy, though. Uh, Yaxley loses. Yeah, fuck that guy. And the win, I think, honestly, could be a shared win, but if you're going to choose just one person, I kind of feel like it's Harry. It's a shared win. Okay. It's a shared win between all three of them, even though I feel like Ron kind of gets it by default. Mm, he did still yeah. do things. He was very, he, he tried. He tried to help that bitch <laughs> with his office. <laughs> but he, he tried. He failed, but that's okay because fuck Yaxley. Yeah. Fuck that guy. He should have gone in and made it worse. <laughs> right? Well, he probably did. No he should have gone in and made it snow. And I'm talking like Ohio thick-ass snows. That's like wet and slushy. Yes, yeah, so we got big, thick, wet, slushy snows up here. Adam sent me a thing. I did send her a thing. Okay, chapter 14. The Thief. Well, they managed to do it. They got the lock and horcrux and were able to escape by the skin of their teeth, or in Ron's case, the whole skin flesh and bone of his foot. It's not pretty, but Hermione is prepared as always. They take stock in not being able to return to Grimmauld Place in case Yaxley now knows how to enter based on the latching onto Hermione when they apparated. If only they'd killed him. Set up a campsite and they all take a look at the locket they were able to grab. Despite this being a victory, it doesn't feel like it because they are at the end of the road for now. They don't know where the other horcruxes are, how to destroy the locket, and have nowhere else to go or eat. Although, again, they have magic. <laughs> nowhere else to eat. <laughs> yep, that's what I said. It is what you said. <laughs> Speaking of living in a magical world, Ron also has the foresight to not say Cocaine Baby's actual name because he thinks it's a jinx. Say what you want about Ron, but he did grow up in this world, unlike Harry and Hermione. They decide they must take turns looking out despite all the enchantments Hermione has put in place. And Harry has another vision of Voldemort interrogating Gregor. Yup, that's how you say his name. 
That's how I say his name. <laughs> Interrogating. You don't have to fix it. It's fine. It's like Fenrir. Gregorovich. Over something that was stolen to him by a thief that is obviously Ludo Pagman. <laughs> Based on the description. And since Harry swears he saw him at one point. And like the cocaine baby he is. Please read. Okay, I will. When cocaine baby doesn't get what he wants, he has a tantrum. Jelly baby needs jelly. What? I don't get that. <laughs> you will. Okay. Yeah, but this thing is about the instructions given to me. Like, I, <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> Hermione pitches at Harry again, Aquamancy, blah, 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 and forces him to go inside since he's falling asleep and dreaming. Thus ends day one of a fun camping trip. <laughs> so Adam was trying to tell me when to do baby talk, the in parentheses, End of baby talk, unless you want. I mean, it's your life. Yeah. Did you see the anecdotal evidence that I provided at the end of the email? Did it copy and paste properly? No, it didn't. Okay. Well, <laughs> I even looked up the picture to make sure. I saw this a million years ago on Instagram or something where they were in a grocery store. And at the top of the aisles, how it says, like, what's in that aisle? Okay, yeah, yeah. And so this one said, jelly. Baby needs jelly. <laughs> so that's what that is from. Okay. Jelly okay. baby needs jelly. Okay, but now I get also, it. Also, like, why is jelly on that sign, guys? There's lots of jelly. I don't know. Also, jelly and baby needs are in the same aisle. That seems weird. What kind of grocery store it is? <laughs> you know what I thought? It looks like an old giant eagle, which is a regional. Oh, the uh, old giant store. eagles, because there's still one in Richfield. The one in North Ridgeville where I grew up was also yeah the one in richfield is very old too and the inside like over like the deli meats like the prepackaged stuff on the back wall like the dairy and stuff yeah, it yeah, yeah. almost was like there was a roof over it and then the yeah. fucking like ceiling tiles drop ceiling tiles look like there were stains on them i was like that could very well have been in north richville where i grew up for all i know <laughs> so. fun times Speaking chapter. of fun times, they're camping, camping, how fun, a nice trip. We finally <laughs> got camping. it. We made it to the fucking camping. Chapter 15, 14, 13, 14. Whoa. What, we finally go camping. We're like, this whole book's about camping. Chapter 14, fuckers. Yeah, it took a minute. We had uh, other shit to do before they went camping. And like, yes, there is a lot in these two chapters that she suggests that they are waiting around for quite a long time. In fact, I was even thinking prior to recording today, the other books at least are linear. You know, we have a school year that helps mm -hmm. structure the movement of time. But we don't have that here. Here's the clues that we have. We have to just figure out how to live till yeah. those clues make sense. That's what it is. And so I think that's why... It seems like this book is very limitless. And we're almost halfway through this book. Right. Well, and honestly, every time you reread this book, really, every time I've reread this book, things, like, happen in these chunks. Like, these two chapters together really felt correct. Yeah. You know, you get halfway through the book, and it's about time to go, spoiler, to Hogwarts. You know, like, that's the other thing, is that when you were saying that the other books are linear, like, you do have the whole school year... But all of the stuff that happens in that last section of the school year usually happens in the last three to five chapters at the most. Right. It's crazy because talking about being halfway through this book, so far, 
what have we had? We've had rescuing Harry. We've had being at the burrow. We've had escaping from the wedding, living at Grimmauld Place, Ministry of Magic. Yeah, and we've learned so much. We have a horcrux, at the very least. We have a horcrux. We've learned about creatures past. Yes. We have, at the end of what we are recording today, obviously, so this is more about, like, what's in the next episode, too, but we'll have learned how to destroy horcruxes. Yes. But what else do we have in the future to talk about? We've obviously got... To learn what the Deathly Hollows are. That. Godric's Hollow. Godric's Hollow. Gringotts. There's so much coming. So it's interesting because I think being just being halfway through this book and not even talking about the last quarter of the book with the Battle of Hogwarts, there's a lot. There's still a lot to move through. So obviously they, they land in they uh, the, land the in woods. They land in these woods and Harry's like, where are we? And then he notices that Hermione is handling Ron. Handling. Handling Ron. Ron because he's flinched. He's flinched himself. I don't know. I don't think he's flinched himself. I think that the whole process, like everything with the chaos... I think Ron is just the person who managed to get split. I think so, too. I mean, so because if Hermione is running the whole process of them aberrating, because she made the choice of where they were going. Yeah. So I think that it's probably probably a lot to to aberrate technically four grown-ass adults. Mm-hmm. And that's probably how Ron got hurt, mm-hmm. is that Hermione is probably working off of whatever level of energy and magic she needs to aberrate three adults and fucking Yaxley... Because fuck that guy. Yeah. He's right there. God, I, I really do not like him. Yeah, Yaxley is a, is a really, really bad one. Speaking on energy, put a pin in that, because I have written down some notes. It might be about one of these chapters <laughs> about energy and magic and energy. And okay. How it's really the, the uh, manipulation of energy and whatnot, because you definitely see some of that through throughout these chapters, too. Now, on top of tending to Ron... First of all, I mean, we have to bring it up again. Wilkie Twy cross fails again. His fucking 3Ds can fuck right off. You almost said it. Would you like to finish it? What? You have been also saying it a lot more frequently, by the way. Oh, I did. Oh, you... <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck that guy. Yes. I've said it already like four times this episode. Oh, you did? All of it was about Yaxley. Oh, okay, good. Because I won't notice it, and then when I'm editing it, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. So... <laughs> That's what it is, people. If you did not realize this, because we mentioned it very, very quickly, that sound that you heard, that is the fuck that guy counter. We'll see where we are at the end of this book, because there's a lot of guys to fuck. But anyway, so while she's tending to Ron with the essence of Dittany and everything, she's kind of talking about how originally they were going to go to Grimmauld Place, but she changed. Because he actually... Kind of like caught hold of her sleeve or something. Caught hold of her sleeve, but also may have seen that it, it was Grimmauld Place. Yes. So her concern was that, she says, as we disapparated, he actually caught hold of me and I couldn't get rid of him. He was too strong. And he was holding on when we arrived at Grimmauld Place. And then, well, I think he must have seen the door and thought we were stopping there. So he slackened his grip and I managed to shake him off. And I brought us here. But she says she thinks she brought him inside the Fidelius charm, and because after Dumbledore died, everyone became secret keepers, which was one of the reasons why, on top of the fact that Snape can obviously get in, that the Order was concerned about going back to Grimmauld Place in the first place, because Dumbledore was the secret keeper. After he died, every person who he told 
Or who knew the location of it. Well, he has to tell you. That's the whole thing about the secret keeper. But did Dumbledore tell them directly? If you remember in the fifth book, Harry is handed a slip of paper when they arrive in the From... square at Grimmauld Place, and it's literally in Dumbledore's handwriting. It says the Order of the Phoenix headquarters is located at number 12 Grimmauld Place. Left well, that's a really bad tech. But that's, but that's like, the way that, like, Dumbledore was able to tell Harry. Couldn't he have learned that from somebody else who already knew? They no, weren't well, secret keepers yet. Yeah, so it had to come so from the secret keeper. in order to even go in this building, they need to know the secret? Yeah, so the reason that all the Death Eaters were, like, floating around in the Grimmauld Square area mm-hmm. uh, September 1st was not because they knew that was the Order of the Phoenix headquarters. I mean, could be because of Snape, because Snape is technically a secret keeper now. Because all of them became secret keeper after Dumbledore died, but also that property is in Harry's name because Harry mm-hmm. inherited it from mm-hmm. Sirius when he died. So all of those people were told by Dumbledore directly or by that slip of slip of paper or whatever that is how to get into Grimmauld Place. So Harry can get there. I don't know how it works magic wise. Like if he tried to be like, "Hey Neville, this is where the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix are." If, like, there's some sort of magic that prior to Dumbledore dying, that he would be physically unable to speak about it, or if, like, Neville would mishear it or something because of Harry not actually being a secret keeper. Mm-hmm. So, do we know at all if there are Death Eaters in Grimmauld Place? Do we ever figure that out? Or is we, it never, we never learn whether or not they go in there. Chances are, if Hermione took Yaxley inside, that protection and now Yaxley knows because your thing is like you can know where it is but you can't share it unless you're a secret keeper the whole secret keeper magic is a thing that is still not super clear and it's confusing i think it's confusing because if you go by that logic then how did voldy get in if Pettigrew was the secret keeper for the potters i mean yeah because he told him that's how he got in but voldemort couldn't then tell somebody else because he's not a secret keeper right so at the very least, and this is why I'm like, fucking kill Yaxley. And yes, we talked about that's not their MO, etc. But like, if you had just done that, I mean, I should have done it when the locket was being taken. Because then, two birds with one stone. You had actually talked about how, and it made total sense, that if now we have two bodies and the locket is missing... It causes some suspicion. But now, like, Yaxley has even more information about, like, oh, yes, this is a break-in from these particular people. Yeah. Because, <laughs> unlike in the movie, they still had their disguise from the Polyjuice Potion. So, chasing them out of the, <laughs> the ministry, he still doesn't not technically know who this is. It could be, like, anybody on the Resistance side. But then seeing, actually, like, Grimmauld Place there and making that connection... Yeah, the movie does not help, obviously, in this situation. To be completely honest, the reason why they were ill-prepared once they got inside the ministry was just because they were young and, like, they didn't even... They didn't think about what would happen. If they had been smarter, they would have had a plan on probably killing some people. Yeah. Like, they would have killed Umbridge and Yaxley in the dungeon. And how wonderful would that have been? Right? Because Harry deserves that honor. And (laughs) we'll get into it, because what it feels like through this entire book is you take a step forward, then you take a step back. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say it's one step forward, two steps back. Like, they're never, like, regressing or anything. But it's always, like, there are these challenges that they go through that impede their progress, I think, a bit. And I mean, this is absolutely one of them. 
too. I had even said before they went to Grimmel Place and they went to that cafe, like, steal the food. That was obviously in the movie, too. But if they at least done that, they would have been maybe prepared here. Like, you've got that bag. Just keep yeah. slamming stuff in that bag. Because you never know. Because now it's like, oh... Creature made a delicious meal. No, no one's ever going to get to eat Maybe it. Maybe Yaxley will eat it. Right. What if Creature and Yaxley are like BFS? What if Creature poisoned Yaxley? Thank you, Creature. That! Well, it could be canon. I'm sure Yaxley comes up in this book again. Yeah, the fucker comes back. And uh, once again, how satisfying to readers would that be? To see these two people die. It would have given a little bit more, like, momentum. Yeah, they're just garbagey. Garbagey. Yes. I wouldn't even say they're garbagey. I think they're just garbage. <laughs> so yes, Hermione is using the essence of Dittany on Ron mm-hmm. to save him. They quickly set up camp. Hermione kind of springs into action. With she all does. This. She handles all of this and she's like, oh yeah, get the tent. And Harry's like, the fuck? Is it what? And then, you know, they have a tent. There's even the like spell she uses to just set it up. Truly, they're just using magic for all of it. And Hermione's doing it all. It's interesting because we get some of this in both of these chapters of Hermione being like, oh, I'm the girl. I'd say it's more next chapter. But like, oh, I have to be in charge of like the meals and stuff. Yeah. And clearly Ron is not in good shape. He's not in good shape, but there are several things with Ron in this chapter in particular that I really enjoy. The first one being him saying, don't say Voldemort. Mm -hmm. So in your thing, you were like, you know, he did grow up in this world and Harry and Hermione did not. I think that, honestly, that's one of the more frustrating things about Ron is that he has all of this insight and all of this thoughtful information he could be sharing. And I think this comes from the fact that he is the second youngest out of seven and he is continually overlooked in his family. All of his, like, frustrations of being, like, overlooked and stuff, that is a thing that has held him back from choosing to step forward and be like, actually this. Mm -hmm. And then everyone around him is used to Ron just being there, you know? So, like, when Ron pushes back, when Ron is being a dick about things, when Ron is like, actually, it's this, and, like, Harry and Hermione challenge him, we've kind of built this sort of atmosphere where this is what's expected. And so that's, I think, one reason why Ron flips so hard when he's, like, actually pissed about stuff. Like, I think that he has never advocated for himself in a productive way. Mm -hmm. Now, his behavior in these couple of chapters is obviously, I'm not making excuses for it because it is rough and, like, not okay. Ron has all these opportunities to be someone who contributes to this whole process. And he do not. I think that's important because a lot of what we're talking about, I think, does happen in the next chapter, obviously, at the end of it. Yeah. Not necessarily because... You know, things are uncomfortable now. But I think that's it, is that you aren't contributing. You're not being as productive as the other two are from the get-go. And kind of expecting, like, well, why didn't Dumbledore tell you anything? Blah, 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 blah. There are these moments where Hermione and Ron kind of talk and and whatnot, too. But y'all knew him, too. Obviously not to the level of Harry. There is that. Obviously, there's been a lot of secrecy with a lot of this stuff. The stakes are so high, and I really think that Ron does not have the capacity to recognize just how high the stakes are, because while Dumbledore's death sucked for him, like, while these other deaths were, like, hard, and, like, it was very shocking for all of these 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds to watch a classmate die a couple years ago, none of this stuff happened close enough to him for him to really recognize the stakes and again Ron is not emotionally immature that doesn't make him a bad guy and this is really a difference between him and Hermione 
Hermione and Ron have experienced the same level of sad, horrible things happening to them in their their years of school that they should be on the same level, but they're not just because they're different people. I don't think Ron was prepared emotionally for any of this. Well, like he's, he's definitely a Gryffindor. He's like, yes, let's do it. He stands up to Draco so much in the second half of the book. Like, he's definitely willing to go. He does mean it when he's like, I'll go with Harry on this trip. But I really think that Ron has just not reached the level of emotional intelligence to recognize how high the stakes are. You are so on your own and so isolated, and he's never been like that. And the fact that he is the most familiar with this world and stuff, that he should be, like, speaking up a lot more. I've been trying to not say it, so I could save it for the next episode, but I'll say it now. Like, your privilege is showing. It is. It It is. is. You have lived in this world. You know the most about it. You're kind of expecting that, oh, we have the plan. Like, didn't you guys spend weeks at Grimmauld Place planning how to planning get Planning how to get into the ministry. Wouldn't you have thought at that point like, that, that there was something yeah. off about this? This is not to make excuses for anyone who's in this situation, but if a thing hasn't happened to you, if you haven't been put in a situation where you have to think a certain way, you can't actually be expected to think that certain way. Be smart, be open-minded, try, but like you can't be like Ron is a thousand percent at fault for not handling himself because he's never been in that situation. He is still a thousand percent at fault for not handling himself, but it's in a different capacity than if, you know, he was intentionally being a dick because Ron is never intentionally a dick. If you were to go, Harry, who do you want to go with you on this trip? He would not choose Ron. You don't think? I mean, he would because he's Harry and he's a loyalist. If Harry were also emotionally mature and smart, I don't think he would be like, yeah, Ron's the right person for this trip. Oh, perhaps. I think, I mean, well, he is because he's Harry's best friend right. and that's what's going to happen. But... Well, and then uh, the biggest thing is then add in the Horcrux. Do you want to hear my little bit of a theory about Ron and the Horcruxes? Sure. The Horcrux? Okay. Yeah. He says it after he comes back, spoiler, that he's like, I don't know, but this Horcrux affects me worse than you guys. And every time I read it, I'm like, oh, poor Ron, wah, 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 you know, whatever. But I really think that there's an interesting, like, parallel between how forgotten Ron feels in his family and Voldemort. And how Voldemort was literally, like, left behind. So, you know, the the parallels of Harry and Voldemort and them basically being raised as orphans, because they are. But, like, the difference between Harry being raised neglected... In his situation, like, take Harry out of this whole situation. And then Ron is more forgotten. Ron is more forgotten. And so Tom Riddle would never think of himself as forgotten, but he would think of himself as abandoned. It's a kind of a harsh parallel, but at the same time, it's like, we've read now at this point six and a half books of Ron kind of being the neglected Weasley child. And he really kind of is. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, like, call out Ma and Pa Weasley, but he is. He is the neglected Weasley child. And so he's got that part of it. And we see him when he's jealous of Harry and Hermione. He thinks that Hermione doesn't love him because he loves Harry. Yeah, Ron, that's a big thing Ron that runs through both has self-confidence issues in that area. And no one is out here telling Ron, actually, you're fucking fantastic. That's why Quidditch was such a big thing in the fifth and sixth books. Ron got to be the elevated Weasley child. Let's bring it back to some more of the positive things, though, here. Because, like, this is still kind of... A lot of that happens in the next chapter, which... Yes. But Ron is a bitch later on in this chapter. And it's... Well, that's what I was going to say. It's a through line between the two chapters. But 
first of all, him kind of recognizing that and thinking that it's a jinx, that is kind of notable because he keeps calling them out on it. But then also, he's the one who has an immediate concern about the catamoles, too. So we see kind of a shift between it's... him being kind of more empathetic, normal Ron, and then we see a decline into this, too. His natural empathy toward the catamoles, like... He spent that time with this woman clinging to him for dear life. Mm. That particular experience in the last chapter for Ron, Ron is maturing and life is happening at him so fast. And again, his experiences are different than Hermione, who's just so much more mature, and Harry, who has been thrust into everything being insane. And like, yeah, you're right. Ron is like, but hold on. The Catermoles, he never, ever, ever would have witnessed something like this before. This is so new for him. That sort of, like, empathy that he has. And, like, this is happening while he's been splinched. So he's already uncomfortable. Now he continues to be uncomfortable. He feels really shitty. He continues to wear the horcrux, etc. So this is still at the beginning of at least, like, camping time. He's not wearing it yet. But there's some... Right. And, I mean, we see him a little bit more natural without it, too. So... It's something that I had even mentioned to Tara when we were watching the movie and prior to recording that I really paid attention to of like, there's a lot of this, these uncomfortable angst field moments here, but what is colored by the Horcrux? And I think with Ron, I mean, we already touched a lot on it. There's a combination there. It's mm-hmm. not just that it's the Horcrux. Actually, that's the next thing I have in, in my notes is just the feeling of the dark energy within the locket. You know... And how it's also making them worry. I guess maybe I had told you to put a pin in the energy thing. This is sort of part of that. So I guess play the witchy music. I just got off of jury duty. So three days this past week, I had to go down to the Justice Center in Cleveland. And even when I started and was going through orientation on the first day, the main woman in charge of the jurors and stuff, she was talking about how a lot of people don't want to obviously do this. There's this immediate sort of like almost cultural thing of like, oh, jury duty. It's like a pain in the ass. And then by the end of it, people really like consider it to be a good experience. Now, it was interesting. I learned a lot. I don't think I would have called it a good experience because Walking in that building, it's like you can almost feel the energy of it. And same sort of thing here. And I was telling Tara how I've been kind of like overthinking and worrying a little bit throughout the whole process of being on this jury. Like, have you ever walked into a room where two people have been fighting and you can just kind of tell? Mm -hmm. It's that sort of thing with the, the whole jury duty thing. And like, yes, by the end of it, it was an interesting experience and whatnot, but it was still like an exhausting week of like being out of my comfort zone and being out of my routine and not knowing if I'm following protocol and then all this stuff happening at work. Yesterday in particular, um, Friday, the day after I finished my service, I, it was kind of like a decompress kind of day, get that energy away from me kind of thing. At the like root of a lot of this, I always talk about like with divination, how centering yourself and meditation and helping to control your energy is helpful with things. So the fact that specifically like they talked about the energy of the locket, I yeah. think is interesting and something to consider throughout all of this, these two chapters, but also I'm sure we'll see a lot more with the other horcruxes. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Have you seen the pie chart of, like, how much of Voldemort's soul is in each 
of them. No, but I know we talked about it. And I was thinking about that. How like so, the diary probably is a bigger pie. Yeah. So they they made the pie chart. So the biggest section of the pie is the diary because that's when he split his soul in half. Mm-hmm. So half of his soul is in the diary, if we're going by this process. So already half of his soul is destroyed. And so that means a quarter of his soul is the locket, because I think that they said the locket mm. was the next one he made. For some reason, I thought the ring was I next, charge. but... Yes, 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 yes. So Can it's 50% I... diary. Okay. 25% ring, 12.5% locket. So those are the three most powerful. The diary literally was able to possess Ginny. Yeah. The ring literally was going crispy to... Crispy hand. Crispy hand. I mean, literally that ring, it's killing Dumbledore. Like, if Snape hadn't killed him in the tower, he would have died. Because his hand mm. was cursed. So the locket is the next powerful of these Horcruxes, if you're going by this. And then it's the cup, the diadem... Nagini and Harry. Harry, Nagini. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then his remaining soul... Which is Which like is that little cocaine baby. Half. The little yeah. cocaine baby at the train station. Basically. Yes. Okay. This is cool to see because so we that, could talk yeah, about Yeah, so this. that kind of makes sense because then it really does feel like the locket is fairly powerful. It also is interesting because we see how being a Horcrux affects Harry and he is only 1.5% Horcrux. Right. And Nagini, I mean, obviously we never learn that much about, like, Nagini in particular, about, like, does well, she have... She clearly has a whole history, yeah. too. But also, like, how these Horcruxes have special dark powers and stuff. Yeah. Does Nagini have something ooky spooky about her? Right. Other than other the fact, fact that, that she was a human? A, right. <laughs> and now she a snake? Yes. I mean, at the very least, like, thinking of it that way is also... It should be comforting to the reader, because already... 75% of his soul is dead. Like, he's already incredibly weak. And it just shows that, yeah, you have to find and destroy the horror crisis. Right. But once but you like, do... This is how fragile he is. Yeah. Is 75% has been destroyed. It's pretty cool, I think, to look at it from that perspective. Now, speaking of Harry being a horcrux, they decide that they need to be on guard, you know, during the yes. night and everything. And Harry's like, I guess I'm going to wear this. He's like, I'm going to be the first one. And he has a quote-unquote dream about Ludo Bagman. (laughs) And they were talking about, like, a boy with golden hair. I was like, Ludo Bagman. Ludo Bagman. It is. But obviously it's Grigor. It's Grindelwald. Yeah, so it's Grindelwald. We don't learn that it's Grindelwald yet. The G names meet each other. Right? In his dream, he sees himself, of course, because he's a horcrux, interrogating Grigorovich. And he's like... Where the fuck is it? And Grigorovich is like, I, I don't have it. It's been stolen. It's gone. And then he sees himself. I mean, it's the Hermione playing Bellatrix sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, he sees himself read his mind through Voldemort it's, and yeah. all of that. Well, and so, yeah, he sees that. And it's really interesting because Grigorovich didn't know who it was. Yeah. Because Grindelwald was very young. Logically, though, at the same time, because obviously Voldemort kills him. Yes. And to me, it shows how he's frustrated and he's angry because things aren't working in his favor. So he lashes out and uses this terrible magic to control and to end people and stuff. My guy, if you hadn't killed him, you could have probably gleaned some additional information. To me, it's such a dramatic thing to just be like, oh, time to die, bitch. He's a fucking drama queen. Yeah. He honestly is. And now, at the same time, do you know why he did not kill Ollivander? Because we see him just wipe out the entire Grigorovich family, where there's these other characters that are 
So my theory about Ollivander, because he's obviously kidnapped Ollivander at this point. Yeah. Even though Ollivander has not been able to give him the answer he wants about the Elder Wand. I think that he ultimately is like, I'm going to need another wand. If nothing else, I'm going to need to make this man make me a brand new wand. Mm. That's the only reason I can think that he keeps him alive. I guess. I don't know. I just think it's so... Like, if we are going to put our minds in the mind of Voldemort, and you're going to be an evil, bad person. Right. There needs to be some more calculation here. And, I mean, it shows how weak of a bad guy he... The character itself is amazing, but, like, when you really look at the flaws that make someone a villain, it's interesting. He's dumb. He's a dummy yeah, dum he's dum. a dummy dum dum. And then, of course, Hermione's like, uh, excuse you, bitch, you were having a vision. And Harry's like, no, I was having a dream. And she's like, whatever. And then she starts to say Voldemort, and Ron's like, fucking don't. Mm-hmm. Because Ron grew up in this world where no one said his name, and then you got these two fucking bitches raised by Muggles yeah. who are like, Voldemort, I'm gonna say his name. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Right, like, seriously. Oh my <laughs> god, that's what it is. He even calls them out while he's inside the tent and stuff, and then yeah. Hermione's like, Oh, you sleeping? You fall asleep? Go inside. Right? Everyone's just mad. Everyone is so fucking crabby. And. That's pretty well, Harry, much it. Well, Harry's still back on his, like, Harry bullshit. He's like, but I want to talk about this thing that I know that Hermione's mad at me for knowing because I let Voldemort into my brain, but I also, like, want to talk about that. Like, oh, that's just what happens. God. Like, at this point, I thought it was going to be done at Grimmauld Place where he kind of called her out on it. I'm like, it's not going to happen until it doesn't happen anymore. Like, this is just what it is. Well, her, we've Hermione's said, going by yeah. the book. Yeah, that's just who she is. And we've said a number of times that it has nothing to do with Alphamancy at this point. Yeah. And I don't think it ever did with Harry. I think that he's a fucking uh, Horcrux, friends. Just like you. Just like me, I'm a Horcrux. Do you want to play a game? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay, we're going to play Mad Libs. Uh Uh-oh, Mad Libs. It does feel like we haven't had a Mad Libs in a while. At least I haven't answered a Mad Libs in a long time. It's been a minute. I don't know if I've done one yet for this book, have I? I don't know if you have either. What is my fucking password? Sherbert Lemon. How did you know? I'm a seer, dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Dummy dum dum. You and Ron. Me and Ron. We're emotionally insecure seers. Oh my gosh. We're also redheads. (laughs) We're also the sixth. In the line of children. Mm. And most importantly, we're both straight. Yep, all of this is tracking. <laughs> okay. And of course, I always have a lot of them, so don't worry. Bitch, I live here. Not you. <laughs> okay, I need a noun. Chicken nugget. Right out the gate. Plural noun. Okay, can I swap them and yep. make it chicken nuggets? Okay. Because technically it should. So the first one is just a singular noun. Yes. Let's make that one diarrhea nurse. Jesus Christ. As long as you don't have, like, a profession. Um, I might. <laughs> well, it is what it is. I it's guess we'll fine. get fine. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Another noun. We love nouns. Waffle. Waffle. I love it. An occupation. Fuck. A sanitation worker. A verb plus ed. Boiled. A verb plus ing. Plucking. And a noun. Um, butthole. Butthole. Yeah. Okay. Um, Not the most creative. Another noun. 
a rutabaga. Auto-corrected. <laughs> a name of a group of people. I'm assuming that this is going to replace Death Eaters. In my mind, I may be incorrect about that. But let's do the little chicken boys. <laughs> what? The little chicken boys. Okay. That's what they're called now. A body part. They could have been called Dark Glamour. They chose Death Eaters, but now they're called the little chicken boys. <laughs> A what? Body part. Body part? How about the taint? A noun. Q-tip. Past tense verb. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I'm trying to make noises so that I can inspire myself to do something <laughs> off the top of my head. Plural noun? What is it? Past tense. Whoa. Verb. Past tense verb. Whoa. Way <laughs> off. Past tense verb. Same thing. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with something like... <laughs> Murdered. <laughs> That's a great word. Adjective. A green. <laughs> green? Okay. A noun. A pumpkin pie. <laughs> okay, color. Uh, brown. <laughs> okay. A body part. Dimple. An adjective. Yucky. <laughs> <laughs> A name. Julia. And another name. Eupraxia. Eupraxia. Yeah, Eupraxia Mo. And Julia Child. An adjective. G g g g g. That's it. Gargantuan. Gargantuan. Love it. Okay. A verb plus ed. Bicycled. <laughs> okay. A noun. Lady. <laughs> Lady. An animal. Oh. Frog. <laughs> Frog. An adjective. Loud. <laughs> and a plural noun. Grapes. <laughs> when I'm forming these sounds to come up with some, a word, <laughs> it goes to G. I don't know why. Uh, she is a great sound. I guess so. Great. Good job, uh, great. Verb. Good. Uh, verb. Bounced. Bounced. Or bounce, okay. I guess. Bounce. And a noun. Uh, Chia Pat. Okay, this is gonna be fun. Am I done? Yes. Whoa. You did it. Okay. What's the story? All right. He had been sure that Voldemort Wait, what is had, it? What is the thing? It's the end of the chapter. Oh. <laughs> he had been sure that Voldemort had been looking for a way around the diarrhea nurse of the twin chicken nuggets. Oh, you gotta get around the diarrhea nurse. Sure that Voldemort saw a waffle from the old sanitation worker, and yet he had boiled him, apparently without plucking him a single butthole about wand lore. Whoa. <laughs> that made no sense. Nope. <laughs> but I love it. What was Voldemort trying to find? Why, with the Ministry of Rutabaga and the little chicken boys at his taint? <laughs> the little chicken boys! Yeah! That's good. Yeah, I'm proud of that one. <laughs> Why, with the Ministry of Rutabaga and the little chicken boys at his taint, was he far away, intent on the pursuit 
of a Q-tip that Grigorovich had once owned and which had been murdered by the green pumpkin pie. Harry could see the brown-haired youth's dimple. It was yucky, <laughs> wild. Yeah. There was a Julia and Eupraxia-ish air of gargantuan trickery about him. What were the original names? Fred and George. Oh my god. <laughs> he had bicycled from the lady like a frog, and Harry had seen him before, but he could not think where. With Grigorovich dead, it was the loud-faced thief who was in danger now. And it was on him that Harry's thoughts dwelled as Ron's grapes began to bounce from the lower chia pet and he slowly himself drifted into sleep once more. There was a specific thing. Something about the lady. What did I say about the lady? Um, he had bicycled from the lady like a frog. Like he had bicycled from the lady like a little frog. <laughs> yep, those frogs and their little bicycles. <laughs> Sounds like something from nice. It was nice. a fun one. The, the Ministry of Rutabaga and the Little Chicken Boys. The Little Chicken Boys, yeah. That's yeah. a keeper. <laughs> I would say the movie doesn't do much. It doesn't do much, but it does it enough. It does some interesting other stuff. Well, I would even just say some of that new stuff about like the snatchers and things. I would almost roll that into the next chapter. Well, I don't know because they overhear right. people in the next. That's chapter. true. That's true. This is really like the first day. It feels like they get there. Yeah, they get there. Run the wound. Run looks. Like, they made the wound look awful. They made Ron look Ron like Ron looks garbage. like shit, man. Poor Ron. And Harry has his little vision. And that's that pretty much pretty it. That pretty much goes almost exactly as is. It just shows that this is a very much a transition chapter. This chapter is clearly about Gregorovich. Yeah. I mean, it's called The Thief. It is called The Thief, which is technically not Gregorovich. But he is thieved What from. do you mean? Gregorovich is not the thief. Oh, it's not who's the thief? Grindelwald. That's what I meant. Yes. The G names are fucking It's fucking G names, man. The little chicken boys. The little chicken (laughs) boys, yeah. No, but I think you're right. It is very transitional. Yeah. I mean, they did what they needed to do, and then they moved on. Shall you hear points now? I shall hear (laughs) points now. You shall hear points now. I shall hear points now. Yes. Asked if I had permission to... to I shall hear your points now. The points are very simple. 15 to Hermione and Harry, and I gave 20 to Ron. Listen, he'd been through it. He'd been through it. He is the one who's like, don't say Voldemort's name. He cares about the Cattermoles. Next chapter in Grave Ron. And I'm like looking at it through a very specific lens and stuff because things are dark in this book, obviously. But yeah, I gave Ron some extra points for his some of his considerations. That was nice because you're going to take him away from him next chapter. Maybe. So. We'll see. If you want to see if I take points away from Ron, turn Listen in, to the next chapter. Tune in next, next time. time. That chapter is called The Goblin's, the Goblin's Revenge. Revenge. So we figured out who the thief was. <laughs> Who's the goblin? Who is the goblin? We are about to see. It's me, I'm the goblin. Oh, I was going to say we're about to see um, Ramil Devane again. <laughs> Cause she oh always my God, I forgot that about dick. that bitch. She always gobbled that dick, you know. Oh my God. So, tune in then. Tune in, bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. 
Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com and a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!